gonna be scary. Not for us. All engine running. Liftoff. Start on Thompson. Steps right. Shoots for the win. of three. He got it. He got it. Same my first rodeo. Westbrook to the basket. Turns Schroeder around. Russell Westbrook. House the three and the lead. You betcha. Covington biggest shot of the game and he hits it. The corner. P.J. Tucker. Time to you know, accomplish something together that we haven't accomplished before. We both understand that we have one common goal, and that's to win a championship. So <laughs> let's get it. You know, I've really thought about it, and I might need to switch up the podcast intro again because we're not getting anything anytime soon. So, like the the whole like James Harden, let's get it. Like that's just it's just not happening, man. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Locked On Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin. You can find me on Twitter at JT Gatlin, and of course, you can find our show on Twitter at Locked On Rockets. And hey, by now, you guys should know the drill. If you appreciate what we do here at Locked On Rockets, do me and the show a huge favor, and the network a huge favor, right? Subscribe to us, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Himalaya, Drop us a review if you've got the time. I do read those. I appreciate every single one. Leave us some stars. I would sincerely appreciate it. So for today's episode, we will get to it a little bit further down the line because on this day, March 16th, 2008, the Rockets made history by winning 22 games in a row. And that was a magical season. It was a magical winning streak. It was one, it still stands as the fourth longest winning streak of all time in NBA history. And that that season, that streak, the players on that team, it was insane. It was magical. It was wonderful to, to be a part of, to watch, and to experience. And so for those of you that do remember the win streak, It'll be a nice throwback to that for those of you that weren't following the team during the win streak, you know, didn't know about it. It'll be a nice uh, introduction to one of the, you know, greatest stretches in Rockets franchise history. And so we'll we'll have some audio. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about, you know, what that win streak really meant to the team, how that kind of turned around what was really started out as a lackluster season. But first, we got to talk about the news going around the NBA right now, which is essentially we were sitting on a mandated 30-day suspension period. That was the most recent news as of you know Friday, the last time that I recorded a pod. That was the most recent news, 30-day minimum suspension period. Now the CDC has come out and basically said that they are firmly against any gatherings of larger than 50 people for the next eight weeks. So that is substantially longer than a 30-day holdover period. And there are legitimate concerns now that the NBA season may be entirely lost. And at this point, I'm not, I don't know where I lean because it would make zero sense to me to throw away this entire season but there's so many logistical issues now of okay if you push back the season you know two months now which is it's looking like two months is probably the absolute minimum potentially even three so if you're pushing back the season that far it doesn't become an issue of just okay let's just you know walk back into tc and turn on the lights and you know start 
playing games again. No, this is a you know this is a thing where there's an NBA schedule and they book arenas and they have other uh, events and things being held at these venues, and it becomes an issue where suddenly if you're pushing the season back two to three months. They don't have these venues anymore. They don't have things booked up. They don't have things planned out. It's not as simple as just literally pushing the calendar back and saying, okay, the Rockets were supposed to play the Lakers at Staples Center on Thursday night, you know, about a week ago, less than a week ago, I should say. So we're just going to bump that game three months ahead and do it on a random Thursday night three months down the line. No, it doesn't work that way. So there's a lot of issues regarding that. There's issues when you think about the players who currently the NBA has extended the ban on team practices indefinitely. So now you've got you're going to have players who are essentially on their, you know, summer vacation more or less because they're not going to be practicing together. They're not playing 5 on 5. They are allowed to work out individually at the at their respective facilities. So, you know, Hard and Westbrook, they can drive downtown and go hang out at TC and, you know, get a good workout in with a trainer, but they can't do any team practices. So that's going to be an issue as far as chemistry and keeping teams cohesive and whatnot. I just, I don't see any way that this is going to work itself out now again i'm i'm leaning towards this side that i would like to see the season resumed at some point it's just so many different things that you have to think about you know maybe you give if you do pick back up the season maybe you give the players a little like week-long mini training camp of sorts to kind of get back into shape or just maybe you have the expectation that they just have to maintain themselves while they are on this indefinite hiatus um there's an encouragement from the league office that players should be checking in on a daily basis with their trainers, with the organization to keep tabs. And players are also allowed to now leave their respective marketplaces. So originally the NBA wanted players, you know, to stay in their market. So James Harden, Russell Westbrook got to stay here in Houston. That's not the case anymore. You know, they can travel, they can go where they want to go as long as they're checking in regularly with the team, making sure that, you know, their, their vitals are good, making sure that everything's okay on their end, and obviously just being safe. You know, that's what you want from everybody. So as long as they're being safe, they're allowed to travel, they're allowed to go visit family and do things like that. So really, if the season does get pushed back, you know, two months, three months, I think the biggest issue would be how does that impact next season? And there were talks of the NBA exploring the idea of pushing back the start of the regular season anyways to not have to compete with the start of the football season and not have to, you know, clash for ratings. And that would be, this would be an interesting opportunity to just, you know, throw caution to the wind and attempt this new NBA season start time. Because if you did push the season back and, you know, say we'll be generous, we'll say a two month hiatus, you start up in two months from now, season runs until late July, early August, and then you have your off season kick in. Obviously you've still got to reschedule everything and that's its own headache, you know, figuring out when and where all these different events are going to be happening. Summer league, the NBA draft, all these different things. But then you start the next NBA season in say December, I'd say beginning of December, because usually Christmas day games are like the, that's like the first really, really big event for NBA. I mean, you've got, you've got, 
Thanksgiving Day football and you've got Christmas Day NBA games. And so I feel like if you started mid-December or late December, you wouldn't really have enough time to hype up any of the, you know, one-on-one matchups or or the team matchups or the rivalries to kind of get the Christmas Day games the hype that they deserve. So you start up the season early December, you start training camp mid-November or the preseason mid-November. That sounds like a recipe that could work. And then the season just runs later than normal. And if it works out well, then it works out well. But as it stands right now, there's not, you know, the news is still coming out and we're still trying to figure things out. There was a third NBA player who was diagnosed with coronavirus, and that would be Christian Wood of the Detroit Pistons. So they are up to three now, three players having been diagnosed with COVID-19, so obviously Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell, and now Christian Wood of the Detroit Pistons. So I think that's where I'm going to kind of wrap things up for as far as the NBA at-large update. So as soon as we roll back in here, coming up, we will start talking about the Rockets' 22-game win streak and everything that that meant to the organization, to that squad. We'll have audio, and we'll get to all that in just a second. But first, a quick word from our friends over at Postmates. From an early morning breakfast burrito to a 12-pack of beers while you're watching the game, or, you know, well, you know, a rerun of the game, all things considered, sometimes you just need what you need delivered fast, and that's where Postmates comes in. If you're like me, you probably start thinking about what to eat for dinner while you're eating lunch. Look, I love food, and that's why I love using Postmates. They deliver food from every restaurant I can think of right to my door. But Postmates actually doesn't just deliver burgers and sushi. They actually make my life easier with grocery delivery and whatever I can think of delivery too. Convenience stores, clothing stores, you name it. So no more trips to the store, no more late night fast food runs. I don't even have to worry about where to grab lunch anymore. Just download Postmates on iOS or Android, find your favorite places, and get anything you want delivered within the hour. For a limited time, Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days. So start your free deliveries, download the app, and use code LOCKEDONNBA. That's code LOCKEDONNBA for $100 of free delivery credit with no minimum purchases for your first seven days when you download the Postmates app. Anything you need, anytime you need it, Postmate it. And we are back in here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Now ready to chat our very first version of On This Day in Rockets history. And on this day, the Rockets beat the LA Lakers by a score of 104 to 92, March 16th. It was a Sunday back in 2008. Rockets beat the Lakers 104-92 to cap off their insane 22-game win streak, which at the time was the second longest win streak in NBA history. It has since been dropped to number four in NBA history, so still well up there among the record books of longest streaks in NBA history. And the journey that that team had to go to get to that point, to put some you know context behind it, the season prior, Rockets head coach Jeff Van Gundy, you know, they take the Utah Jazz to seven games in the first round and lose. And so you you change out the head coach in the offseason. So it was Rick Adelman's first year coaching the Houston Rockets. It was also Daryl Morey's first year as the general manager of the Houston Rockets. And you come back with relatively the same team, but for some reason, just the start of that year, and they, you know, they dealt with 
all sorts of injuries throughout that entire season. There was only one player that played a full slate of games, and that was the ice cream man himself, Louis Scola. But past that, so, you know, you deal with this, you know, plethora of injuries throughout the entire season. And at one point, it was like end of January, January 29th or something. And they were 10th in the Western Conference. They were not piecing it together. And Rick Adelman was just telling the guys, just, you know, stay the course, trust the system, we'll get it figured out. And then they did. And there were there were so many expectations placed on this team because, again, of how they had lost the season prior, of the talent level on this team because T-Mac and Yao were the you know one of the best duos in the league and they just hadn't been able to get it figured out because of injuries because they just couldn't quite piece it together to that point so to finally hit this stride to where the team looked unbeatable to where things were just finally clicking it truly was a magical stretch of Rockets basketball. You had Yao and Tracy playing well, and then every single evening it felt like there was a new role player or another role player ready to step up to the plate and and, and do their job, whether it was Shane one night, Rafer the next night, Brooks, Landry. Uh, I mean, it didn't every single evening. Bonzi Wells even. You know, it, it just really felt like this was one of those, you know, the whole is greater than the sum of its parts type moments. And looking back on this team, they had no business being as good as they were. They had no business winning 22 games in a row, but they did it. Honestly, it probably has to be, personally for me, it has to be a a top five. And it's it's hard to classify, you know, a 22-game win streak as a as one singular moment. But it really, if you, if you do it that way, it's got to be a top five Rockets moment, at least for me personally. You know, I wasn't around for the... It, well, I was around. I existed, but I wasn't around for the back-to-back championships, right? I didn't get to experience that as a fan. You know, my Rockets fandom really started in the early 2000s. You know, Steve Francis, Catino Mobley, you know, that those early 2000s Rockets squads, that's where I started. And so my memories, you know, don't date back as far as as other listeners, as, as you guys listen to this podcast. You know, some of you did live through, a lot of you lived through the championship seasons. I didn't get to do that. Again, I did live through it, but, you know, didn't get to experience it. And so this win streak was one of the first really big, you know, moments that I got to experience as a Rockets fan, as, some, as an avid watcher of the team. And thinking back to it just brings a smile to my face. You know, I, I got to be at the 22nd win against the Lakers. I, and I think I've even spoken about it on this podcast before, but so many great individual moments and spots in that win streak. I mean, you think back to the Tracy McGrady flu game against the Cavs in that win streak where he just didn't quite have it. The Steve Novak buzzer beater. That's the big one. That's the one that a lot of people like to remember where everything was on the line. They're sitting on 11 wins and you're down, what was it, 87-86 against the Kings. And T-Mac has the ball, final possession of the game for the Rockets. And T-Mac drives the ball into the paint, less than 10 seconds to go in the game, draws the double team. Steve Novak curls around the three-point arc. He's right at the top of the key. 
T-Mac kicks it back out to him, and he just drills the three. Six seconds left. It's on no And then the team goes to mob him because there's two seconds left in the game. And they've, I mean, you're up two against the Kings. You ba- they basically won. They knew at that point. And that shot, you know, kept the win streak alive. That was their eighth win of the 22 game win streak. And it was regrettable that just a few games down the line, Yao Ming went down. But another big guy kind of stepped in and took his place. And we'll keep talking about the win streak coming up in just a second, so don't go anywhere. And we are back in here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball, continuing to chat about the Rockets' improbable 22-game win streak. And so I teased it at the end of the last segment, and you know, a lot of you guys already know this, but Yao goes down to injury, right? And it's halfway through the win streak, so... What happens next, right? This team could have very easily just folded. You know, 10 games in to the 22-game win streak, Yao goes down to an injury. They could have just given up. They could have folded. But instead, they didn't fold. They turned around and turned to 42-year-old Dikembe Mutombo at the time to be their starting center and backing him up just as he did Yao Ming, Chuck Hayes. Those two guys held down the center spot for the Houston Rockets and continued on in the win streak. There was something that was burning inside of us that was keeping us going. Back to block. Blocked by Hayes says, get that stuff out of here. Something, they found something, right? They found something and dug deep and, and were playing the best basketball of, of all their careers. I mean, Tracy McGrady was averaging 24, 6, and 5, or 24, 5, and 6, you know, throughout the win streak. And then other guys, other guys stepped up after Yao's injury was the big thing. Is Yao going down, that's, that was your second best player on the team. And, you know, this was, it all for all intents and purposes, it was trading, it was Tracy McGrady's team. He was the veteran. You know, you can make the argument that the following season, Yao was the better player, you know, and then T-Mac had gone down to his own injury, that 08-09 season where they brought in Ron Artest, but this was T-Mac's team. You know, he was the veteran, he was the guy who had, you know, so much to prove, never having been out of the first round and, you know, being one of the top players in the league for so many years, and so... His play was was not elevated because he continued the same level of play, but the guys around him picked up their play. Rafer Alston became a better player, was playing some of the best basketball. Skip to my Lou was playing some of the best basketball his career and put an exclamation point on the win streak with the with his performance against the Lakers that I'll talk about in a second. And then guys like Shane Battier stepped up to the plate. Aaron Brooks had some, you know, double digit games here and there. They brought in Bobby Jackson halfway through the win streak to kind of help uh supplement that bench unit. You know, they so many different guys on a nightly basis stepped up to get the job done and it truly was what every team wants. What every team wants is to be the best version that they can be. And that Rockets team became the absolute best version that they could be despite injuries, despite losing their second best player, despite starting a 42-year-old center. They were 
beating teams left and right that they had no business beating, and it all culminated in that win against the Lakers. That game, Tracy McGrady just didn't have it. That game was a struggle. You know, T-Mac wound up only shooting, what was it? Let me see, 4 of 16 in that game. He only had 11 points. And meanwhile, on the other side, Kobe doing Kobe things was 11 of 33 for 24 points. But the guy, the, the player of the game, the guy who, who got it done for the Rockets in that one was Ray for Alston. Ray for Alston was the guy who stepped up to the plate and had probably one of one of if not the best game of his career, you know, context-wise because of the the weight of the win streak on his shoulders. He posted 31 points on 10 of 12 shooting, 8 of 11 from behind the arc. Raper hits again. Eight three-pointers for Raper Austin. 22 wins in a row. And first place in the Western Conference. Raper Austin with a career-high 31 points. And this crowd just finds it incredible. I hope you do too. What a run by Houston. As they congratulate each other, first place in the Western Conference. Unreal, an unreal performance by Ray for Alston. He came out and he he balled out in a game that they needed him to. And just mentioned him a minute ago, but Bobby Jackson also had himself a game. Seven of nine shooting in that one. Uh, you know, 19 points off the bench. That game was a game where the Rockets just, they weren't getting the performance that they usually needed from T-Mac to win a game. But I will always remember the one specific play that does stand out to me, besides the barrage of three-pointers from Ray for Alston, you know, 8 of 11, again, just insane shooting from him in that one, besides the barrage of three-pointers from Ray for Alston, was one play near the end of the game where even though he'd been struggling the entire game, T-Mac and Kobe, they hit, they both hit the floor for a loose ball. And I remember T-Mac grabbing it and just ripping it away from Kobe Bryant. You can go back and look at the highlights from this game. And I'm, I would be hard pressed to imagine that that highlight isn't included in there because he's so ferocious with it because he knew that he didn't have it just offensively that night. He wasn't, you know, the usual T-Mac. But he knew that he needed to do something, you know, and just he he was ready to lay it all 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 on the line. He was ready to, you know, do what he needed to do to help that team win, and to see him, you know, scrap and claw for for that loose ball at the end of the game, you know, like his life depended on it. That was just a really cool moment in that game. And then you know the Rockets go on to to win it one hundred four to what was it? Yeah, one hundred four to ninety two. And seal the 22-game win streak into history forever. That win streak will stand. That group of guys will have that to remember forever. And to hear them kind of reminisce about it is is pretty cool. Nothing's like winning 22 games straight in the NBA. I, I'm so proud of that, that streak because nothing mattered but the team. I think it's now when you really have a good sense of what it really meant. And the city was buzzing. Everywhere you went, you know, everybody was just proud of what we did. And you look back on it and you just say, boy, that was really something. 
It's something you can talk about for years on end. The camaraderie you build, the relationships you build, man, something we'll talk about forever. What better place we were at to play basketball at that time than having it in the Toyota Center where our fans was just at their best, man. We won't forget those moments that I share with those guys. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that, our little, you know, visitation into the past, you know, peeking into the 22-game win streak and, you know, our little on this day in Rockets history. We'll do more of these moving forward as we navigate the NBA hiatus, but I think that's where we'll wrap things up for today. So as always, thank you all so much for listening, and we look forward to having you back here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.